Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We're taking a break from the Tim Keller stuff, the social justice stuff. Well, kind of, kind of. We're going to, we might talk a little bit, but mostly taking a break. Uh, I have a deep voice today because I have a cold and um, it's, it's actually going away. I think it was worse yesterday, but got some zinc, got some vitamin C, uh, didn't freak out and think it was the end of my life because Omicron had taken it. I, I really just treated it like a normal cold because that's what happens in the winter and uh, got some tea last night, some good mint tea with some honey in it and things things are going a lot better now. And someone, by the way, I I'll, I'll sh- oh, I don't have it with me. Okay, I'll show it. I'll show it in a future episode. Uh, one, one of the supporters sent me an amazing mug. It's my favorite mug now and and she made it. It was custom made with the conversations that matter uh, logo right on it. So uh, I'll show you that in a future episode. I, I actually have to say that I don't always have the time. I try my best to, to write thank you notes or to send thank you emails to people who generously contribute things. And I, I don't always get to do it. I actually had a very nice family uh, in Virginia send me some maple syrup and really good stuff. And so I, I, I have to plug that stuff. I'm going to bring it. I, I promise I will bring it for a future episode. I'll show you the maple syrup and where you can get it. I'll show you the mug, uh, which is amazing. And uh, But anyway, it's all helping because it, that's the stuff you need. You, you need sweets. <laughs> you need tea. You need some zinc and some vitamin C. And, and uh, maybe um, I, I actually do get out a little. I tend to go out and not, you know, I don't want to infect anyone, but I, I'll go outside uh, for a little bit. I won't stop what I'm doing. I'll, I'll work. I was working actually with some sheetrock upstairs a little bit in my house, and I just didn't do as much. I didn't take it quite as hard. Uh, I took it a little more easy, but I don't stop everything I'm doing and curl into a ball. I try not to, at least. So uh, it's been working for me, at least. Maybe that'll change as I get older. I don't know. But uh that's why I sound like I have a little bit of a, a deeper voice today. But I saw some videos uh, that I came across some, I think one was on Gab. Uh, the other one I think I saw on Facebook and the other two I saw on Facebook. And I just thought these are so cringe. These are so cringe. I just, everyone has to see them. I, and I the, I, the first one, actually all three of them, I've only, I've only watched them once and not even all the way through the first one. I'm, I'm going to show you, but uh, so this is, I, I still have fairly fresh eyes as I'm looking at these, but I thought this is kind of fun and entertaining, but at the same time, what in the world, <laughs> like what in the world, what does this say about, about, uh, the people involved in these videos I'm going to show you. So, um, let's start, let's start. Uh, oh, one, one last thing, speaking engagements. want to let everyone know you can go to worldviewconversation.com and go to the top right hand corner. And, uh, there is a tab for uh, if you want to book me, it says book John. Anyway, there's also a tab for speaking. If you click on that, it'll take you to speaking engagements. And there's a number of them listed here uh, for next year. I have six listed right now. And I know there's uh, a few people waiting for me to call them. And I, I'm going to do that hopefully this week. And if you want to have me come and talk to your church about social justice, that's really the main thing I've been doing, just talking about the, the book I just put out there, Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict. You can go check that out. And it would definitely be uh, beneficial, I think. It's been beneficial, I think, for the people that I have been able to talk to about this at churches and political events and uh, show them the religious connection of social justice and then how to identify it, how to answer it. And you can also get the books there, uh, too. And there's a good deal going on right now with Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict. 
uh, 19 bucks, normally 25, signed copy. Social Justice Goes to Church, 13 bucks for a signed copy. And then, of course, A.D. Robles' book, Social Justice Pharisees, is also on sale for 11 bucks. And $6 for shipping, no matter how many you get. So uh, that you, you can't beat that. And we're uh, maybe Black Friday. Black Friday had some deals that were a little better, but th that's, that's a once in a, a lifetime, some of those deals. So th this is about as good as it's going to get from here on out. And you can uh, go and get those and still, I think, get them before Christmas. But the time is very short for that. So anyway, wanted to let you know about all that. Uh, let's let's get to the videos. This stuff is just so cringe. That's I was thinking about what to do today, and I didn't want to talk about Tim Keller anymore. <laughs> At least for now. Maybe tomorrow we'll do an episode. We'll go back to it or something. I don't know. If people still have questions, but this was uh, these were just things that, like I said, came across some feeds, and I just thought, man, people. <laughs> I, I don't know. People just need to see some of this stuff. It's just so. Some of it's funny, but some of it's it says something about kind of where we're at. So I'm going to uh, pull that up for you. Let's start with this one. This is Francis Collins, former director of the NIH. Uh, and so he um, he has decided that he, he's going to sing a song as he exits his role. And of course, I, this there's kind of a scandal in my mind associated with his exit. He's, he's approved of some gain-of-function research stuff. And it's right around the time that that became a controversy is when he resigned. And anyway, I, I talked about him before and uh, and just his moral compromises in my mind and the fact that he's trumpeted as this Christian uh, hero in in elite circles is, you know, here you can be an evangelical and uh, you can have elite credibility. And I just don't think that's the case. He shouldn't really have probably a lot of credibility in Christian circles for some of the things he supported. But the thing I wanted to show you, just, I, so let's start here. He's, he's, he's saying bye, he's saying I'm, I'm going, this is what he says. ...that what needs to get done is going to get done. And now if you'll indulge me, because it's been kind of promoted as if it might be a grand finale of a musical sort, I guess I'd like to play us out with a little song. So, if I'm... And, and by the way, you have to look, not just at Francis Collins, you have to look at the interpreter. There's an interpreter that's uh, for, for deaf people. She's interpreting all this. And so she over-exaggerates some of the things, his expressions and the things he says. It, it's, it gets hysterical. I just need a microphone. Why, there's a guitar right here. How? <laughs> Look at the, there's a guitar. I got to go back. All right, hold on. need a microphone. Why, there's a guitar right here. How about that? <laughs> If you're just listening and not watching, I'm so sorry. The the look on the interpreter's face. Why? He's like, we're going to come out with a song. I'm going to play it one more time. And then I'll, I'll show you the rest of the video, I promise. I just... <laughs> look at the interpreter. He's he's going to exit with a song. And he's like, oh, why? There's a guitar right here. And look at the interpreter's face. Why? There's a guitar right here. How about that? <laughs> I don't know why I think that's uh, so yeah, funny. Yeah, this is a song... Where the tune will be familiar to you, unless you came from another planet recently, but the words are going to be quite different. Because you know, this is the awkwardness in my mind that I, he he could be a pastor. This is I I remember when I was sitting in seminary at Southeastern, in chapel, people would be bending over like 
crunched crunched over like almost about ready to pass out they were laughing so hard and red in the face over the stupidest things people would sometimes they weren't even intended to be jokes and everyone's laughing and i thought oh this this is why pastors are known for having this kind of awkward dry sense of humor sometimes francis collins could have if, if he would have changed his plans around earlier in life could have gone to seminary i think with this kind of uh, stage presence here this is really a song for you a song for all of us and no, I'm not making fun of pastors. In I'm maybe I am. I, I can sort of do that. I went to seminary. I'm I'm one of them, I suppose, as uh, as they might say, someone who's uh, been in that environment and maybe has that sense of humor to some extent. I, I mean, I, I find this hysterical, though. So maybe maybe I'm just showing who I am. But th is this normal for someone when they leave their position to play a song, and and not only a song, but a song that you're going to find out is as cheesy as this song? through this pandemic and trying to imagine how's it going to feel when we're finally past that what will that be like we're going to get there and you're going to help us get there so that's what this is about you expect him to be like now kids and there's like a whole bunch of kids sitting around him cross-legged uh you know just ready to sing along with him and maybe a few muppets as well in the background and it is, you know, maybe a campfire somewhere. You're like, all right, kids, come on. Let's let's sing some good family campfire songs. Somewhere past the pandemic When we're free There's a life I remember full of activity i'm actually so it's funny but one of the reasons i wanted to show this to you is like it's it's cringe not just because it's cheesy or funny it's cringy because this is francis collins this is someone who's partially responsible for the reaction that the government had and is still having to the SARS COVID-19 virus and uh, responsible in part for the gain of function stuff as well. And there was a scandal under, uh, I'm trying to remember now, it was right at the beginning of this, right maybe before it all started, there was a scandal with Chinese, uh, basically people taking information from, I believe it was the National Institute of Health or one of their uh, research arms uh and and there was a whole scandal there i mean this is the guy that he he was over the organization when all this happened uh the organization that's also issuing the patents or at least under the an organization under them that's they have oversight over the patents that get to go to pharmaceutical companies who create vaccines against covid 19. so it's this francis collins who's doing this particular song and and he's saying somewhere over the rainbow rainbow when we're free implying we're not free right now you know there's a life that i remember full of activity it, it makes it so trite it makes it so just inconsequential and just so it you know it's almost funny cheesy but the cheese it's like this is serious man people have lost their shirts they've lost their businesses people have died because of hospital neglect and maltreatment and 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 you know this is a guy that could have done something and is is partially responsible for some of the reaction that's been so negative and and then to make so light of it by singing this cheesy song is is offensive and this is the window i think we get into 
some of the elite circles. He's not affected by it. He's not touched by it in the same way, at least. Uh, he's He's got a job through the whole thing. And I'm sure a, a very high-paying job and wealthy friends, and he gets to go, and even in evangelicalism, you know, goes and does his panel discussions with Russell Moore and stuff, and it's just so cringy. Somewhere past the pandemic, masks will come off. No more need for a nose swab every time we cough. As we are gathered here today, COVID's toll has hit and sent us reeling. Can you, can you imagine if you had someone, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a cold. Can you imagine if you had someone in your family who actually passed away from COVID or from worse yet, maltreatment of COVID? They, they did not receive the treatment they needed and they're, they're dead now. Or a business destroyed and you're listening to this. But partners like the ones right here will help to make the pathway clear to find a true healing. Let, let me translate. The elites are going to help you find the true healing. Yeah. The people who have inflicted the wounds the most are the ones that are going to help you out of the hole. Somewhere past the pandemic life will resume we'll all complain about the traffic forgetting how we hated zoom somewhere past the pandemic we'll hug our friends and thank the people and science that brought the pandemic's end. This is so offensive. <laughs> That's who we're going to thank. This is Mr. Evangelical, right? This is the guy who's the Christian in the elite circles. And who are we going to thank when this is all over, right? We're going to thank people and science. Science, that impersonal, I don't know why. Science is, they act like it's a person. Uh, or an organization, uh, because it, they attach it so closely to scientists, but it's not. But we're going to thank people, we're going to thank science, that, and they're the ones that brought the pandemic's end. How is this much different than Governor Cuomo? Now, Governor Cuomo at least added, you know, for his horrible statement that, you know, this wasn't God. Francis Collin isn't saying that, but he's not thanking God here. This is Mr. Evangelical. It's so offensive. My dozen years are almost through, but it's been great to work with you. Let's end COVID now. Thank you, HHS. Uh, okay. Now, that was cringe number one. So evangelical elitist in secular circles who's well-respected, doesn't thank God for ending the pandemic, trust the elites, thank the elites, the people who inflicted the wounds the most. We need to trust them and thank them. And here's a cheesy song making light of everything that's happened. All right, 
Let's talk about this now. This is uh, this is worse. And by the way, if you have kids in the car, if you're listening to this and you have children, I'm going to give you a little bit of time here. You may not want them to hear this. Uh, this is really for adults, I would say. Probably people, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm safe in saying 16 and up should be fine with this. But uh, just forewarning. So this is Michael Bird, Michael F. Bird. Michael F. Bird if you, you might remember him from the montage uh, of Southeastern, and they love him. A very big standpoint epistemology guy. He had to, I think it was the Book of Romans, he, he said he had to teach to uh, his people at the seminary that he works at in Australia. But he wanted to use a female commentator specifically. So, uh, because you, you need the female perspective. And uh, big at Southeastern Seminary, I would say. Uh, what else? He he came out accusing Founders Network basically of being this uh, racist uh, organization because they were quote unquote neo Confederate because the founders of the SBC were all pretty much associated. I mean that's the SBC formed not long before the American Civil War, and so those who were involved would have been. Uh, confederates mostly and so therefore founders ministries is promoting these people and founders is terrible and so he, he's that kind of guy he's on the left he doesn't understand even really american uh history he's from australia i wouldn't expect it but he's 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 vicious against the anti-social justice side shall we say and here he is, right? These are the people that are, like, we, let us represent the world. Let us, to the world, Christianity. Let us be the ones. We, we're embarrassed by you fundamentalists uh, who probably don't wear shoes and never had a fifth grade education. And you guys are so dumb. You don't believe in evolution. You, you want to honor your ancestors who are just ignoramuses like you and racist sexists. And you're you're just a bunch of hayseeds, right? And we are going to be the ones to represent true Christianity for the elites and the secularists. Well, let's see how that goes here. Let's see how that goes with Michael Byrd, uh, how he represents Christianity. Okay, I think I've given enough forewarning. Last call, if you have kids, may not want them to hear this. I'm here at the 2017 Australian Christian Lobby Conference. Now, as a homosexual atheist, I'm, no, I'm melting, melting. Okay, this is t Tom Ballard, an Australian TV host equivalent to John Stewart or John Oliver. He's a comedian, right? And he's going to this conference. I can tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a real funny story. So this is my Michael F. Bird, the guy I was just describing. He's going to tell a funny story to this comedian. And uh, he's a professor at Melbourne's Ridley College and an Anglican priest. Here's the funny story, right? So funny. I taught religious education to some, to some uh, students, and I asked them a very provocative question. I said to them, did Jesus ever have an erection? Did Jesus have an erection? I believe he did. Multiple erections? Throughout the course of his life. Would he have had an orgasm? All right, this is offensive on so many levels. And I realize some of you are wondering why would he, I even play this? Uh, and I, I thought for like maybe 20 seconds about that. I'm like, should I even show this? It's, it's, it's really offensive to me, to be honest with you. But I think it's so... Um, such a, so illustrative of where social justice advocates, and it's not even just them. It, it's it's people who want to cozy up to the world and be loved by the world. It's it's where they end up going. It's just 
it's like he thinks, yeah, I'm going to shock this comedian and show how, you know, we're not uptight. We're so loose and we're cool in Christianity. Like we're, we're not these prudes that you think we are. So he's trying to, that's what it seems like is going on. He's trying to like shock him into like, whoa, those Christians weren't what I think they were. They were, they were more uh, progressive and forward thinking and looser than I ever thought. Maybe I'd go hang out with them. This is the guy that gets down on Founders Ministries and gets down on conservatives in the Southern Baptist Convention, and he's loved, so loved, at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And this is the way he ends up representing himself to the watching world, right? Remember J.D. Greer is all, the world is watching, the world is watching. Okay, this is what they're watching. Okay, this is the kind of stuff, like, when you have the opportunity, this is what you're going to say, really? You know, you don't share the gospel. You're, you, you're not even like a normal human. You're, you're, you're going even, you're trying to go past where even like secular people would probably not even bring that up. That's, that's such a taboo thing to insinuate that about Jesus, such an offensive thing. Uh, I would dare say that there's some, it's borderline like blasphemous. It, it, it is. I mean, the, the way that he's, his mannerisms and the way he's communicating this, this is blasphemous. And it's just, it's so cringy though. Because it's like his motive is he's, he says he thinks it's a funny story. Hey, a funny story. Let me talk to you about the Lord of the universe and you know something that he you know let's let's talk about something so base uh, based uh, like and I don't think mean based in like the 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 sense of the word that conserve some conservatives are using now as a positive. I mean like depraved kind of like based like something that's so uh, beneath any discussion about the Lord of glory. You don't talk about this stuff. This isn't even something, why even consider it? You know, it, it's, it's not an interesting or a, it, there's, it's not a theological question to even bring up. You could even bring up this question about other things, you know, like did, um, did was Jesus tempted really is the question. And that's answered in Hebrews 4.15, tempted in all points without sin. But the, to, to go this far and be like, hey, Jesus probably, uh, you know, you're, you're almost insinuating he lusted. And that's, that's, what, the, that's what the world's going to hear. You know, if Jesus did this, well, then it's the same way in which we would have done it. That kind of, that's what you're doing. And you're, you're attributing a dirty thought to, to Jesus. You're giving people the opportunity to have dirty thoughts about him, which is absolutely disgusting. This is the guy championed at Southeastern. This is the guy who thinks that he can communicate with the world better than these anti-woke hayseeds in America. I don't know, he may have had, probably had a nocturnal emission as a teenager. Okay. Oh, we, all, we all have. Hmm? Would he have helped that along if he was a red-blooded normal man? Uh, what do you mean by helped it along? You mean like... Uh, choke the chicken. And the look on his face is, is that he is, this is the God he supposedly worships and teaches other people to learn about and worship. And he's, he's one of the names on the social justice side in evangelicalism. I could have included him in my book. I don't think I did because probably partially because he's in Australia and I don't know to what extent his influence, but his influence is big over there from what I understand. And uh, somewhat in the evangelical world. And it's, it's certainly, uh, it, I, it was at the seminary I went to. He was an invited guest. He spoke in chapel while I was there. He's uh, 
done podcasts and done lectures. In fact, even in my suggested videos on the side right there is a, a library talk from Southeastern Seminary two years ago with Michael Bird. So he's been there a few times, it looks like, probably. All right. Uh, I don't know how much more of this we can take. Let's just go a little longer. I don't know about that much. Just to be very clear, you brought up Jesus at Erections. I want to make that very clear. Fault. I know well, I'm from the like... Godless ABC, but that yeah. was your call, sir. So, so this is an excellent point. This, this comedian saying, I wouldn't have even done this. I did not bring this up. You're bringing this up. And he's not laughing. And, my, and, and Michael Bird is saying, oh, it's a funny joke. The comedian doesn't think this is funny at all. Even he, as an atheist, as it's just, it's just amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing. This is, you just make fools of yourself when you try to gain the world's approval like this. So anyways, all right. Kids can come back if uh, you are, uh, if, if you're curious about that. And uh, this is the last one I wanted. This is not quite as cringy. It, it is cringy, but this is not as cringy as the last two. It's just more sad, but, uh, but there is some cringe involved. So this is Glenn Beck on some podcast. And here we go. Um, you also converted to Mormonism. Uh, as an adult, your audience is very heavily. What? Why is that funny? I just, I just thought that was funny. As an adult, I mean, I mean, I can see kids making that choice, but as an adult. No, but I meant it's 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 unusual. Somewhat, just I want to clarify. It wasn't like your family converted when you guys were kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. Um, your audience is very heavily Christian. Do you ever get heat from traditional Christians, many of whom hardcore Christians regard Mormonism as like a heresy? No, Michael, they don't ever say those things to me. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. In fact, I was with Billy Graham at his house. Billy Graham and I became friends um, probably in the last five years of his life, and I loved him, loved him, uh, and uh, just a spiritual giant. But, you know, it was his organization that had, you know, Mormons as a demon cult, and uh, uh, I went to visit him, and uh, somebody else was there with us who was good friends with him. Can I, can I just add here, wouldn't that be Mormonism, right? According to any Orthodox Christian, wouldn't it be, I mean, Moroni would be a demon. Uh, that's, that's pretty much been the traditional Christian outlook on Mormonism. It, it would be a cult. It would be demonic. So... So he's make he Glenn Beck is making that out that view out to be like crazy like oh someone's just unhinged you call it a demon cult like it's so extreme and and Glenn, look he's the victim in this right he's the one he's the Orthodox Christians coming and abusing him because they say that it's a demon cult there it sounds like there and maybe there's some people who've been pretty mean but look if you're just telling the truth about Mormonism then that's where you're gonna, going to arrive at and this this is actually one of the religions I have uh, cults I have done some. Uh, deep dives into. And in fact, on my shelf right now, I have my my Book of Mormon facsimile, which is different than the modern Book of Mormon. I have the modern Book of Mormon and I have notes everywhere. Uh, I have my Doctrines and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price. And of course, I have James White's book, uh, which I recommend if you're trying to look into Mormonism, Letters to a Mormon Elder. Uh, and and I usually, you know, when I have dealt with Mormons, I, I bring those and I'll also bring my Greek New Testament. And that's 
um, that's something that I have done and I, and you know, I'm probably viewed as a dangerous person in my area for, I mean, they, they didn't want the younger missionaries around me the last time I met with them, which was years ago, but, uh, yeah, so it's a demon cult. <laughs> I don't have a problem saying that. It doesn't mean that we think that everyone in it's not nice or we can't work with them or they're all, uh, you know, they, some of them are following it out of ignorance and habit, but yeah, at the, at the root of it, that's what it would be. So Glenn Beck's kind of like, ha ha, you know, making fun of this. Let's keep going here though. This is the story about Billy Graham, which I find so sad. On the first time we met and, uh, he said, uh, so tell me about your relationship with, with Christ and with God. And I started saying something and the person said, well, well, well uh, remember, remember Billy, he's a Mormon. And he just turned and looked at him, and then he looked at me, and he said, you were saying. And I told him, and at the end, he was crying, and I was crying. And he looked at the other guy and said, he sure sounds Christian to me. And it was that weekend that he actually removed Mormons from the cult status. Oh, that, that, I, that must have made you feel great. It did. It did. Yeah. He was the... You know, I think he might have softened in his, you know, in his older years. He, um, he, he was one of those guys who just got it and wasn't there to condemn. So here we go. Uh, what's the root of that? What's the, what, are, what assumptions are being made for Glenn Beck to get to that point? with one little simple conversation in which it's, it's a testimony uh, and it moves Billy Graham, he decides for his organization, they're gonna take Mormons off the cult list. It's not biblical arguments, it's not uh, wisdom and uh, taking these ideas and examining them, exercising discernment. It was, uh, it was a story he heard from someone that compelled him in his old age. And, and I, there, there's part of me, look, I, I don't know everything that was going through Billy Graham's head right before he died, but I like to give the benefit of the doubt uh, as much as I can. I have, I have read a number of books on Billy Graham, and it is very true that he gets more ecumenical, very much so, the older he gets. Um, he also gets more progressive in his politics the older he gets. And, you know, to the point there was a reporter, I remember, in his home not long before he died and his and asked him i think about capital punishment and billy graham said he didn't believe in it anymore and his wife starts contradicting him and saying of course capital punishment is right and 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 i don't know to what extent old age and other things may have affected his mind in the last few years but because he says some crazy things and this might be one of them but but that's cringy that's absolutely cringy uh for this reason not as cringy as the last two videos, so I shouldn't say absolutely, but it is cringy for this reason, because you have here a situation in which one of the biggest advocates for supposed political conservatism, I think it's, he's really more of a neoconservative. He's a neocon at this point, you know, and, and I, I can flesh that out in another video, but he's, he, there was a point in which I thought he was going to be more of a paleoconservative, like a, a true conservative, and he, he kind of, all, was on the precipice of that and then it seems like he kind of moved away from it and now he's he's more neocon but he he still is speaking for political conservatives on a very high level one of the, the biggest voices in the country and many of them would be evangelicals a lot of evangelicals follow billy or follow glenn beck 
And um, th this is the kind of thing that made me not really listen to him much anymore. I used to, I, I love the Glenn Beck show for one reason, really, for one main reason, because I thought it was hysterical. He's a funny guy, let's be honest. And I think Pat and Stu, especially, they were all funny. And there's nothing wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong to listen to him. But the longer you, longer you listen to people, the more you do get influenced by them. And because what you laugh at and what you consider to be true or false, you, you start, you're influenced by them. You just can't really avoid that. And I noticed this emotional kind of hermeneutic or uh, the, this emotional epistemology he has, where, hey, if you feel it deeply, it must be true. And love Billy Graham because Billy Graham got it. He felt deeply what Glenn was saying and then took, based on that, took Mormons off the occult list or the occult list. That's the kind of thing that got into everything else in his politics and all kinds of other things. It's like if he had such an emotional connection, and he's a very emotional guy, which is fine, but he let those emotions kind of determine what his reality was so often. And I remember in the Roy Moore case, it seemed like he kind of did that. Um, when it came to uh, really and anything, a lot of things, I should say, uh, related to... Uh, trying to how do I phrase this sort of BLM there and I know he's against BLM because the communist Marxist connections but before that especially though there were there were there, there was kind of like BLM narratives that he adopts about certain things and I think it's because of the emotional stories connected to them he kind of and and, and there was just things like that I would listen to and I, I, I said I gotta stop I just can't I can't listen to this anymore and uh, I, I I didn't re-up my um, a subscription to the blaze fine if you have a subscription to it by the way i'm not saying you shouldn't there's probably there's good people that are on the blaze i'm sure that are doing good work but uh that was so that was my experience and i just thought in that video though it, it's it, it just that's going back that's that's it that's it right there it's just like i had this emotional story and it's like you should change your whole statement of faith like or your whole belief about my religion based on my story and that's a good thing that's that's so it's such an emotional epistemology and it's very subjective and so i um i find it just so cringe though that evangelicals would so many of them still really really like his takes on things and listen to him and i and look i get why they do i for a time i like i said i did so i'm not trying to go after anyone in particular here at all i'm just i get it to an extent uh but aren't aren't there better options out there? Really, aren't there better ones? Aren't aren't don't you, can't you have some maybe true Christians who believe in capital T objective truth that you can listen to and are trying to even if it's hard, even if they don't like it, they're gonna go where the Bible says to go and believe the whole entire canon of Scripture. That's that's what I you know we we need that more in conservative media for sure. We have all right. Sean Hannity's a Catholic, right? more of a neoconservative, but he's a Catholic. We have uh, Mark, Mark Levin. I don't really listen to him, but he's, what is he? I don't know. He's not a, he's not an evangelical Christian. I don't believe. Uh, Rush Limbaugh just passed away. He was, um, he, now he did claim to be a Christian, especially towards the end of his life, but it was, that, that was not an obvious thing. And it seemed more like he was probably somewhat of a secularist with a Christian heritage or tradition that most of, of for most of his career certainly wasn't out there with it. Um, who else do you even have now that's that's a big i mean ben shapiro jewish most of the people that represent on a political level evangelical christians and because evangelical christians most of them the vast majority voted for donald trump they tend to be politically conservative but the people that are elites in conservatism tend to be catholics mormons jewish 
uh, people. And it's not wrong. It's not wrong that, the, that those people have platforms and stuff. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's weird. It's, it's unusual that uh, so many Christians are listening to them and we don't have much in the way of alternatives to that. And, and so anyway, I, I'm probably going off on, on my own tangent here, but uh, it, it's, that, that's a cringe thing, though, to think that Billy Graham, this evangelist that Southern Baptists look to so much, is, and everyone really, that he compromised so much at, on that level to, to, based on a, a, a flimsy story, and that that is trumpeted. That's something that's uh, held up as something that's good. Um, that's cringy to me. And to make fun of people who would say it's a demon cult, you know, they, there's reasons people think that hey, Moroni is a demon. This, the, this, this whole thing is demonic. So, anyway, uh, those are the three cringy things, and hopefully you got a little bit of a laugh out of some of that. But uh, even if you didn't, at least uh, it, it's showing it, it exemplifies kind of where we're at <laughs> in some ways. And uh, and yeah, I know that's probably probably not not the greatest thing in many of your minds, but. Uh, but it's good to know. It's good to know that uh, that's where we are. We're, we're very weak and we need men. We need people to stand up and to uh, to not be juvenile, you know, adolescent boys, to not act like that. And, and that's the common thread that I, I think the, the point I want to land on in all this. For through all three of those videos, you have uh, a man who's older, who's very accomplished, with his life, has a academic pedigree, and very well respected in the world. And yet he's going to make light of a very serious situation. He doesn't take responsibility for his own contribution to it. That's a childish thing to do. You have then uh, a man who's supposed to be a theology professor and kind of hip and cool and down with, with the world more and accusing other Christians of being backwards and racist and these kinds of things. And yet when he has the opportunity to say something to the world. He acts like a 13-year-old teenage boy. His mind is thinking on the things that a 13-year-old teenage boy, who's probably a bit perverted and has been exposed to some, some smut material would, would think or say. And then you have, after that, a uh, talk show host who is commanding the votes and the uh, political thinking of probably millions of people. Uh, maybe, I mean, hundreds of thousands at least. And uh, he, and this is in the political conservative realm, right? And the way that he navigates life is he views th everything through the lens of his emotions and what he feels. And that's how he determines what's true or not in so many things. It's also kind of a very childish thing to do. We need people who are not swayed by their emotions. We need people who uh, are, are rock solid, stable, who aren't, don't have a dirty juvenile mind and everything is a double entendre and everything. We don't need that. We don't need people who don't take responsibility and trivialize serious matters. We need people who know there's a time to laugh and there's also a time to be serious and know the difference between them and, uh, and will fight for the truth and won't back down from it and they don't care what other people call them. That's the, Those are the kinds of people we need right now. And sadly, I, I think we're in short supply. And so if you're within the sound of my voice and you have that same desire, I just encourage you be that person in your own life. Be the adult, even when the adults who are, should be there in their biological development aren't being adults, you be the adult. And you uh, take command of the situation when the situation demands it.
Uh, I've seen that even in the in the recent past in my own life where situations arise and the adults don't seem to want to do much or they don't know what to do. And you, even if you're younger, sometimes you have to step up to the plate. And I, I think in, on the church level with so many churches going through so many things, uh, we need that. We need even people who might be younger. Uh, you know, Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. You know, um, Paul said to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on your youth. If you're younger uh, and, and you have the maturity to be able to navigate these hard challenges, then I encourage you to do so. In humility, look for the people that are older that you have wisdom that you can submit to, but don't let someone else's childishness or their lack of direction or their making light of serious issues uh, distract you or determine what you're going to do. Uh, you, you need to um, you need to preserve the stability of our society, our churches, our families, and and that means that even if you're a plumber or an electrician or a farmer or a truck driver and you feel like, well, I don't really have the education, but are you an adult? Are you someone who's mature? Do you have some biblical maturity? You know, you don't. It's not like you need. Uh, spiritual gifts are given by the Spirit of God too. Uh, it's not like you need a committee, that an official committee to stamp a degree, and that's what you know enables you to take on leadership or something. You, th there are abilities, and there's also spiritual gifts that God gives, and it, it's it's irrespective of whatever academic pedigree you may have or respect with the world. So that's my encouragement. Step up. And maybe this, for a few of you who have been on the fence about something, I don't know where everyone's at out there, maybe this encouraged you to go and do that. But that's the show today. God bless. Hope that uh, was entertaining and helpful in some way. Bye now. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.